Hey everyone, welcome to this special episode of the Powerhouse Podcast. I am so excited to have our guest Sandy Krakowski on the podcast today. Man, I don't think that there is a thing that Sandy has not gone through in her life. She was a single mom living on $5,000 annually when she was in her mid-20s, and before the age of 30, she actually became a millionaire. She was one of the first people to have either a Google or a Yahoo account, I think within the first 10 people to have one of those email addresses, and is the definition of a trailblazer. But today, we actually talked about a lot of her story that she doesn't talk about very publicly. If you follow her on Instagram, and she's killing it right now on Reels, she's gained like 50,000 followers in like the last two weeks. It's amazing. Um, You hear her talking a lot about business, and copywriting and stocks and crypto and how to trade and all those different things. But um, today we actually talked a lot about the trauma that she's been through and how you can heal your nervous system from trauma amongst other things, growing emotionally, growing in your emotional intelligence and how to get it over, um, you know, when people that you trust really hurt you. So I'm so honored to have Sandy Krakowski on the podcast. And with that, let's get right into today's podcast. Okay, well, everyone, I'm so excited to have our guest here today, Sandy Krakowski. She has been a longtime someone that I have followed on social media. Um, You guys just heard a little bit more of her bio in our intro. And so, Sandy, welcome to the Powerhouse Podcast. We are so, so, so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm really stoked to be here. We had some fun prior to this, so (laughs) I'm excited to see what we can talk about and open doors for people and you're just going to have to bear with me. I've got Arizona allergies. So I woke up this morning sounding like I had bourbon and cigarettes for breakfast, of which I did not have either. And since I'm not going to be leading with a country song this morning, <laughs> my raspy voice. Oh, I love it. If you're I just listening to the audio, bear with me. <laughs> love it. Well, like I said, we are so honored to have you where I kind of wanted to start. So I have your book next to me, The Anomaly Mindset, and I just wanted to affirm you like literally this book, I think I read right before COVID or during COVID somewhere around there. And it was really the first time that I heard someone put into language exactly what I had been feeling in my heart as a very Mm. bold, I was literally called like middle child, bull in a china shop my entire life. And you just Mm. found a way to put into language, not only where you came from, but who God was throughout all of this. And also the amazing accomplishments, being a millionaire before you were 30. So I would just love for you to start with people who don't know your story, just to kind of tell us that Mm. origin story, going from being a single mom, cleaning rich people's houses that you never thought that you'd be in to now just purchasing a new house of your own and everything in between. So whatever you want to tell us about your origin story, I'd love to just kind of set the foundation there. And a lot of my story is going to come out in my new book that I'm spending this year writing about healing the neural pathways so we truly can be who we were made to be. You know, um, God put me in business way before I realized he put me in business. I didn't realize this was an assignment. And I'm very, very grateful for everything I've ever been able to do in business, but I know that this book and the work that I'm doing in helping people to release trauma and to understand how trauma affects us and understanding how our belief system 100% dictates the life we will live, I truly think it's going to be the greatest work I ever do. Now, backstory, I was a single mom of one son, my oldest genius, Jeremy, and living on 5,000 a year was not a joke. 1988, uh, 500 square foot apartment. 
my, I remember the living room couch I had picked up from a garage sale for $5 that had a huge hole that a great Dane had chewed out of it and threw a blanket over it. And I was thrilled because it was mine. And because I was groomed to think so, I went on the hunt for a husband as a single mom and found one and married him in under a year and didn't realize that I was walking into a repeated pattern of what I had known as a child. And I'll leave that fact there and you'll figure out what I mean if you follow me on social media or read my book. And I was a stay-at-home mom. And so, you know, I mean, I went from struggling financially to marrying this man who worked um, in the automotive industry and was grateful to be able to stay at home. And this brain of mine got bored really, really quickly and got this crazy idea that, you know, I talk about it in the book, wanting to make bread from scratch and how do mixers work and how to kitchenware. And before I knew it, I was like, oh my gosh, I need $2,000 to be able to set my kitchen up to do what I'm wanting to do. Um, and I have always been very resourceful. I rarely look at situations like, oh no, I can't do that because of this. I look at it as, okay, so what do I need to do to get that done? <laughs> and I didn't even know what an EIN in a corporation or uh, anything was and started my very first business online and made more than my ex-husband that first year without a college degree and completely self-taught. Yeah. <laughs> and by the second year, made my first million and I was 30 and have never made less than a million since and have had tens of millions, probably close to nine figures run through my hands. And I have stewarded some of it well and have not stewarded some of it very well <laughs> and got into all kinds of different things that entrepreneurs do. But God would use business to not only parent me and groom me, but he assigned me into the business world. He assigned me into the media. And I have recently discovered because of some deep work I've done on my own. Uh, some people are like, well, duh, isn't that obvious? He assigned me to the financial kingdom. And he anointed me apostolically and as a prophet which means I'm an activator and I tend to see things that people might not and call them as though they were an open doors for other people. My main mantle is to help you remember who you are. And the other great work that I do is help you to make a ton of money. And it's interesting. You know, I could talk about anything I wanted in the church, but as soon as I started talking about money, whoo, got scary, you know? And then as soon as you start talking about God in the business world, whoo, it's even scarier. <laughs> and I'm talking about both of them naturally and in my truest self and who I was and, you know, the, the journey that I've been on. I don't know. I would have signed up for it if you had told me the whole story, but there has been an insatiable warrior and fight in me since I was a little girl. That's why I'm still alive as someone who has lived through more than 15, not bad days, but life threatening traumatic events. Some of the events that I've lived through, most people would never have survived. They would have either died, become a heroin addict, ended up in prison or something else horrifically detrimental. And, you know, when I received Christ as my savior at 12 years old, I had a radical encounter with God and it was the love that I had longed for my whole life. And he was the stable one in a life that was very unstable 
he was the security and still is and when I was younger and there was no safety or security. And I didn't know that all that I had walked through was going to dictate and govern so much of what I do. But it did. And people would say, yeah, but my gosh, you were a single mom living on, you know, 5,000 a year. And then you made a million and you've been a millionaire since then. And you built 18 companies. So like, what are you complaining about? I get it. My life looks very charmed, but it's never been charmed. And at one point I was diagnosed with more than 15 autoimmune conditions. I mean, I was given a year to live four times. The manifestation of trauma in my body and the hyperinflammation and the hypervigilance and the chronic PTSD that I incurred since the time I was three, when my first, maybe two, my very first traumatic event occurred. Um, I believe I could have made very close to a billion dollars with the skill set that I have. And I, I believe that's my destiny. I mean, I've had multiple prophetic words that it was. I used to get so mad at God, like literally, are you always going to have a prophetic word for me about money? You know, because to me, that meant I had to work harder. I had to work more hours and all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't until I really dove in deep to healing my body and healing my mind that a lot of what has happened to me through the years and a lot of how I had handled it or not handled it for that matter was because of trauma. And I had such a warrior fight to not want to quit and not want to give up. And even if I've had psychiatrists who abused me or pastors who abused me or people who medicated the bejeebies out of me. I went through electroconvulsive therapy against my will. I was forced to do so um, when I was in my 20s. Like All of those things were enough for me to say I've had enough. Mm. But my, my, I just, you know, one of the things my therapist has helped me to admit is I wouldn't quit. I had a, an enormous capacity of courage and she often asked me, why do you think that is? So that I can share with others. Initially, my response was like many other people might say, well, I don't know what else, what other choice did I have? But I did have a choice. And there's people who go through the things that I go through that did not do what I did. And I truly believe it is because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords rocked right into my world when I was 12 years old. And I gave him many, many good reasons to reject me, abandon me, leave me alone. I actually told him many times, leave me alone. It was hell without you. And it's double hell trying to serve you in this church that claims to be of you. Leave me alone. I remember saying that many times. Just let me die. Will you not? Please just let me die. I remember having an argument with God driving my uh, Yukon down a dirt road and saying, you know, okay, I'm done. And I'm going to drive this thing into a tree and leave me alone. And then I started getting sassy with God. And you knowing you, you just would let this part of my body still live. So I could tell the story. I was so set on self-destruction and my survival mechanism was driving everything that when I began to heal, it was like, wow, 
this is a calm I've never known before. This is a comfort in silence that I've never been able to tolerate before. This is a not feeling compelled to have to do something when I don't have anything to do that I've never known before. And it was so foreign and so new to me, you know, in alignment with my nature, I just began to do so much research on the brain and the mind and the difference between the two. And, you know, I believe that most people hold themselves back or have been programmed that something else or some system of people or some system in general is holding them back to the capacity that we're basically just trying to make it out of here alive. And that's not the abundant life we were promised. Amen. And, and so writing the anomaly mindset was not only therapeutic for me, it was one of the first times that I really started to relive some of what was happening. Like the stories that you read in that book, that's the first time I've ever done that mm. other than my journals. And it began to percolate, if you will. By the end of that book, I knew, okay, my next level, I have to heal at a level that I've never known before in order for me to fulfill my destiny. Yep. And I don't know what that looks like. And I set on a journey to do that. That's amazing. That speaks to me so much more than you know. And I love how God works because this is like totally not my plan to even talk about today, but obviously the direction the Holy Spirit wants to go. So I experienced tremendous trauma uh, where I was in a relationship with a pastor at a church where I was a pastor. And I literally felt like I was going crazy because I knew that I knew that I knew in the Holy Spirit what was being done to me, the emotional brainwashing that was happening, the PTSD yeah. that I was having, panic attacks every Saturday night before church. And yeah. while I knew that my calling was very similar to you, the business world and then arts, media, entertainment and social media for me, I'm a musician. Um, I would literally, the devil was distorting this and bringing this religious spirit, this legalistic spirit, as well as this person that needs help, right? But the church is so brainwashed to either shove things under the rug or the show must go on or with narcissists, as I'm sure you know, they make themselves so irreplaceable because they're brilliant that it's like, well, we, we can't offer to, we can't afford to, you know, actually fix this person or remove them because the church would crumble. So I've had to process that so much and I'm still working on that. So what you're saying, I'm looking forward to reading your book. Would you yeah, like hundred percent. that? Just because they come holding a Bible um, or claim to love Jesus doesn't mean a psychopath, sociopath, a narcissist doesn't exist in the church. And I think we have to be really careful labeling people as such because there's a lot of people on social media who are trying, some of them claim they're trying to help, but I would, there's a lot of narcissists, men, mm -hmm. claiming to try to help women who are unraveling women. And that was their intention. They are provoking anger in women and claiming to help. The thing is, is that, you know, narcissists, psychopaths, and sociopath is a response. It is a result of trauma. So the, the reason someone becomes that way is because of a traumatic event. 
the church's answer is usually one of two things. It's either demonic or it's your sin. And I'm going to write a book that presents another view that the church needs to get a grip with because we were created by God to be a tripartite being. And if we dismiss the physiology of what we were born in, in that tripartite body, soul, spirit, we discredit and reject what could be happening in my brain and my mind. Now, my mind is governed by my soul which is where there are the seat of the emotion and the will and decisions. My brain is an autonomous organ, like my heart. You get, I mean, it operates on its own. You get what I mean? Um, you could put my brain in a lab and you're not going to necessarily get all of the outworkings of my trauma and my personality because of my psyche and different things like that. But for many, many years, I was rebuking and calling it a spirit. And I am of the belief of understanding an Ahab spirit, a Jezebel spirit, and, you know, and a Leviathan spirit and all these different kinds of things. Much of what we are experiencing is a part of the fracturing that comes from horrific trauma. Yep. So the brain literally can fracture children who have incurred Sexual trauma at a very, very young age, by the way, sexual trauma in a young child is the worst trauma for the development of the brain or the mind that you can ever experience. Because from zero to seven, psychiatrists and neuroscience and, and that have proven that the child brain is like in a state of hypnotism. So it's like, like it's, it's pliable. It does not have the ability to interact in any kind of um, debate. There is no reference of right or wrong yet cemented in that psyche. And we know that God's written his law on our, on our hearts. Mm -hmm. It's still there, but it's not been activated yet. So when a child receives sexual trauma from one of its caregivers or in any capacity, many of these children under a CAT scan even show frontal lobe fractures holes like they got in a head-on collision and that can come from just verbal trauma let alone sexual trauma and so yep. now what happens and the best way to describe it is clinically if that fracturing if you will is so damaged and cannot repair this is where we have dissociative disorder did this is where we have schizophrenia, where now someone becomes someone else in the survival mechanism. Your brain was not designed by God for you to thrive. It was designed for you to stay alive. Hmm. So your brain will do anything it has to, to keep you alive, including believe a lie, because there's no filter in here. There's no filter of right or wrong. Whatever you tell it it will believe and it will begin to reinforce where the greatest computer ever created on the planet. Yeah. Our survival mechanism is astounding. Like if the military could understand the survival mechanism of the brain, we'd be otherworldly. <laughs> so now what happens is without DID or schizophrenia, you can still have a manifestation of a part of you as a 20, 30 or 40, 50 year old adult that resembles how you felt in that trauma when you were five, how it felt when you were 20, 
Yep. There are parts of your brain and your mind that still think you're 20 anytime it picks up anything that resembles. It doesn't matter if it's the smell of your predator, the cologne yep. they were wearing, the smell of the carpet during the event that it happened. Doesn't matter. It could be music, could be anything. Yeah. So now you get, this is where reaction and triggers can come from. So imagine when you get persecution, especially from people in authority, like in the church or whatever, you're seeking help. It's a natural thing. We mustn't ever judge ourselves that our, our psyche and our brain picks that up as a, an equal, if not a greater threat than the threat we originally experienced. And it can be very customary to tell that thing like I did, shut the hell up in Jesus name and go back to hell where you came from, rebuking mm -hmm. it, rebuking it, trying to cut it off, trying to do deliverance to get it to go away. And I believe in deliverance ministry. Yep. I do. I believe in casting out of demons. I believe in the miraculous. However, these triggers are not spiritually oriented, but they sure do make you subject to demonic oppression. Wow. That's so good. So you've got to be very careful, constantly rebuking it because you could be betraying and rebuking and denying a part of yourself. Mm -hmm. Some of us, the path to healing is to reparent that part that still thinks it's three and is in horrific danger. Wow. Yeah. The autoimmune so manifestation in my body came from that kind of hypervigilance. So this is why we've got to be really careful always thinking it's, it's black and white thinking and idealism is an epidemic in the church. Yeah. Black and white thinking mean it's either this way or it's that way. And yeah. that's it. And do you because think that's because, don't, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That which we don't know or haven't experienced many times, what the church will do is just try to theologize it. Yep. <laughs> Find a Bible verse that can explain it. We can just hold on to that. Yep. So why do you think this happens? Is it just a complete lack of knowledge when it comes to pastors in the church actually understanding the soul or understanding that? Because I'm right there with you, girl, like 100%. I'm like, quit rebuking it. You need to go to therapy. You know, like, where's the disconnect and why the church has failed so massively in society too, not just the church, but like as a whole, why people don't understand trauma. And I'm going to say this like humbly, I'm going to say this with honor and respect to every person in authority in the church. Um, I'm going to say this with tenderness for people who've been wounded, but I'm going to say this with authority that God has given me. I think we got a lot of traumatized pastors who became pastors as a way to get out of their trauma. I believe you have a lot of people in healing ministry who experienced healing somewhat who are now highly codependent and are now using their healing ministry to prove they're healed. Okay. That doesn't mean now, by the way, if you have black and white or idealistic thinking, you just took what I said and lumped everybody in a box. No, you're not allowed to do that with rational, discerning, godly thinking, because if you have a need to put everybody in a box so that you can figure out who they are, you are demonstrating someone who is trying to stay safe which is a manifestation of trauma, wow. constantly needing to fit someone in a box or a category so that I know how to relate to you 
is a classification method of survival hmm. that is not in our, in our way of connecting. That's not community. That's actually called dismissive. That's actually a method of disassociating as well. You can dissociate because you're like, well, I know what that person believes, box. Well, I know where you're coming from, box. I'm listening to you, but I ain't listening. Wow. You that is so saying? true. And I mean, it's very, very deep, but you have a lot of wounded people. You have wrong theology that's gone back to Paul's time. Um, you have idolatry. You know, during the pandemic, the two top things that the church wanted to talk about is Donald Trump is going to save the world and mm -hmm. we need to get back in our sanctuaries. Hmm. Whether Donald Trump was God's man or not, some of the prophets who spoke the fact that, you know, God was going to take Joe Biden down and Donald Trump's going to be, they have, they have a, an accounting they need to do. Mm. It doesn't mean you get to run them through the coals, but if they don't say, I missed it. That, that's not a good thing. We had millions of people who were in need of two things, security and safety. And if yep. Jesus Christ and everything he deposited in us does not provide security and safety, then you tell me what the flip does. Yeah. And all we could think about is, can we get back to our services? Can mm -hmm. we get back to what we know? Well, I think God is stirring the pot and trying to get us away from what we know. Because that's where we're going to heal. And a lot of times mm. like churches grow and you've got structure and you've got systems, none of which is bad, but it can become an oppressive um, environment where we actually do church by habit 100%. rather than gathering together with intimacy for the father. I'm not saying that they're like, I run classes and stuff. There's got to be a time we start and a time we end. There has to be order. I don't have the answer. God did not call me to the church. But what I see is a lot of unhealthy people trying to help people. Mm. And you have a lot of projection going on. I believe in casting out of demons. I believe in the supernatural authority of the word. I know I'm ordained and commissioned as an apostle and a prophet. I understand my mantle and my assignment. But that does not mean every time I see somebody manifesting behavior that is wrong, distorted, sinful, addictive, unbiblical, put it in any capacity you want, that my only remedy is to rebuke their sin or cast out the demon. 100%. And what's interesting is Jesus was given the same method, wasn't he? Like in the New Testament, they were trying to prescriptionize everything he was allowed to do and he wasn't allowed to do. I'm sorry. You are not allowed to do this on Sunday. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that with a woman. Yep. No, 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 no. Do you even know how many people she slept with? Why are you sitting with them? Why are you having dinner with them? Why yep. are you spitting on the ground and putting it into, you know, God has historically chosen methods that make no sense to us. I mean, the children of Israel were trained for war. These were men of war. These were our top Navy SEALs <laughs> as an example. God didn't tell them, okay, take all of your hard training, everything you've been groomed for since you were a little boy, all of the weaponry you were trained in, everything else, and we are going to march around the city and you're going to take that city. No, he said, I want you to dance and I want you to sing and I want you to walk around the city seven times. And when you're done at the seventh time, not the sixth time, not the eighth time, on the seventh time, the walls are going to come down. 
And in the average church today, if God said anything outside the box, that's not how we do it. Yep. Yep. Does does, does somebody have the minutes from our last meeting? Because we, we don't like the average church could not ever handle somebody coming in who's transgender and had had surgery, a complete drug addict. Like, like who's, who's a lesbian? Like, oh my God, you know, if the pastor's son becomes a homosexual, the pastor's got to leave and the son needs to be, you know, put into deliverance ministry. Like we are so prescriptionizing today's problems with remedies that have never worked. And if we understand how the brain wants to heal and we understand grace and we understand the love of God, there's got to be a different way. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. The Bible doesn't say that the church woke up before Jesus came back and there was, you know, all this repair of all of this kind of stuff. No, it actually says when they say peace, peace, there ain't none. Yeah. Is that before Jesus comes, like, you're going to look in the church and not know who's your brother and who's not. Wow. Like, there's going to be people who say, yeah, but I, I, I talked in tongues. I did the healing ministry. I've done 973 sozos and I have led 9 million people to Christ and I know how to exegete everything. Mm-hmm. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Yep. So how do we begin? <laughs> like how, how, like for people, or I guess who aren't called to the church mountain, what was your journey like of, I guess your aha moment of like, okay, is it therapy? Is it, I just need to get alone with God and actually realize what this next level of relationship, freedom, healing, because it does come back to the love of God and God is love and the love is work, you know? So where did you start and what would be your encouragement to people who have had one of these or multiple traumatic experiences and they're like, well, gosh, you've just blown up an atomic bomb. I thought church was the answer. What do I do now? (laughs) Well, everybody has, because the last two years has been a global trauma. Yeah. And if you think you haven't been traumatized in some capacity by this pandemic, you're you're kidding yourself. No, not everybody's going to need therapy to heal from that. But my just saying that just healed some people. Because what I did is I opened up the conversation for us to talk about the fact that we are living through a trauma. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm not going to talk about the origins of it or how long this has been scripted to be played out and all this other kind of stuff. But the reality is, you know, I, like one of my very first predators introduced me to psychiatrists, you know, Hmm. and started putting me on uh, multiple medications. I was subjected, subjected to Munchausen by proxy when I was little. So being told I'm sick when I'm not and mm. being manipulated to the point that I actually was sick and then trying to pretend like I'm not sick when I am like it, it, the dynamic of that level of psychic psychiatric manipulation was so deep that the last person I ever wanted to see was a psychotherapist, a therapist, or a psychiatrist, especially because the very first person who's like, who not only did all of that, but physically violated me as a little girl for many years was going to a psychiatrist and still Mm. does to this day. So like, but I had and still have an insatiable desire that this is not all there is. 
Yeah. And I went through deliverance ministry and I went through multiple weeks with different things. Restoring the foundations is hugely beneficial to many people. However, I knew there's more. And I met someone in 2017 who said to me, have you ever been diagnosed with PTSD? And I was just like, what? Because you see, my theology was all of that happened to me, but the past has gone away. The new has come. Yeah. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Isn't Jesus enough? Like if Jesus was enough to raise from the dead and blot out my sin and justify me and, and I'm now being sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit, isn't that enough to heal this? Like, didn't I get a new brain when I got born again? Like, didn't I get a new, new limbs and new joints, even though I started getting arthritis by the time I was 10, like it, that's how I was trying to live like that. That's what happened. Hmm. And again, I believe in the miraculous power of, of God. I've experienced numerous miracles that make no sense have been documented by doctors, but I knew that there was more. And when I started, and you'd have to listen to my podcast on cannabis and Christians and releasing trauma on my journey of weaning off of opiates and prednisone and all of that, I was never an addict, but I had and still battle Crohn's and RA and multiple autoimmune conditions. I'm in the gym six days a week and can leg press 585 pounds now, you know, and, and just do an infusion of Remicade. But there was a time when I had to wean off of over hundred milligrams of Oxycontin. And I created my own protocol and that started me on the pathway of studying how does dopamine work in the brain and how, how about the neuroepinephrine levels and all this other kind of stuff. And I immediately was like, hold up a sec. And I started studying how trauma causes the body to inflame. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I had times when I would go into the hospital for Crohn's and they would check my CPK, my inflammatory levels, and they were off the charts. Like I had just had a heart attack. Hmm. That's how high all of my levels were. And the more I began to study it, I'm like, there's got to be more. And I'm going to tell you, um, Shalene Johnson is someone that I have looked up to for many years. And Shalene Johnson is someone, it'll be in my book, <laughs> that some of my parts did not like. Some of my unhealed parts, especially my bratty teenager part did not like her and mm. my wounded younger little girl self that's healing was not sure of her. And my 20 year old self wanted to be competitive with her. And then mm. my 30 year old business person was just like, and I've always looked up to her. She's never done me any wrong or anything. She's forgiven me for so many bratty moments. And there was a situation that came up with a man I was dating and I did not even know what a narcissist was. Mm. And he horrifically abused me and traumatized me in 2019 and 2020. And that was about all I could take anymore. Mm. And it brought up all my other stuff. Classic narcissist classic narcissist digging up all the other stuff so they can abuse you with it. Yep. But God, and I reached out to Shalene and I said, I know, you know, a lot of people, I know your best friends are therapists, but I really need some healing and I'm in a really dark place and I need some help. And she said, hands down, Barnon, you can trust your life with Dr. Michaela Sarno. Hmm. 
Now you have to understand, I've never had a therapist that I could ever trust, let alone my younger self trust. And Dr. Michaela won the trust of me and my parts. And as significantly, I can't even say it without crying, like significantly became a safe place for me and began to do EMDR plus parts work with me. And you can not only see it, you can hear it. And I think to people who are struggling or to pastors who don't know what to do, you know, there's, I've met many pastors that God has actually been seeding this kind of information into their spirit for many years, but they, they didn't have all the pieces. I strongly recommend you do some research. There's three different modalities that I'm going to open up in my book. EMDR is hugely effective, but it's nowhere near as effective without parts work. And parts work is, and is an even a part of um, some ministries understanding that wounded part and being able to go back and reframe the belief systems so that you can reintegrate that the brain will actually heal. It's so wild. It's like, it's like having a broken limb and never having it set Mm. and living for 25 or 30 years with that. Let's say I broke my hand. I never had it set for the next 30 years, I'm living like this. Hmm. And what's going to happen is the rest of my arm is going to bring reinforcements to make sure that this doesn't get hurt again. And every time I look at this or bump this in any way, I'm going to be immediately, especially my nerve endings, reminded I had a broken limb and it didn't Hmm. get reset. And this is what I'm dealing with. And in many cases, and I'm hoping some of you are prophetic enough and will pick up on this, it will harden. It will lose its pliability. It'll be frozen. Hmm. Mm -hmm. No matter how much I try to do. Hmm. But interestingly enough, the brain, if you go back in, I don't know if this is the case. I believe if you gave this enough stem cells and enough peptide therapy, and you went in and had surgery and reset it, or maybe we had to put some cadaver type fixes into the bone or, or steel plate or whatever, you could, the, the brain is in, and the body is incredible in its ability to heal itself when given the right things. I did a whole mm-hmm. podcast on what I've been on and doctors I've been with for inflammation. But what's so amazing is if we will delve into this, on understanding how the brain works and how to heal it. And you now look at all that, you know, theologically with healing, with deliverance, with all Mm. of that. And you bring that wisdom of understanding trauma in the brain and how it manifests and how to heal. There's EMDR plus parts work. Parts work would be the psychotherapy that goes with it. Or there's the microdosing of psychedelics with um, psychotherapy and cognitive therapy. I'm not talking ayahuasca. I, I bless and, and, and I'm grateful for people who've talked about that, but that's a little bit more new age than I'm comfortable with. So microdosing in a controlled environment with a psychotherapist or psychiatrist has now not only become legal in several states, but used as a remedy for PTSD and chronic pain and healing trauma. Um, We also know that ketamine infusions with the same kind of therapy also does it. Mm -hmm. And we know that the microdosing of even cannabis 
one of the first things people who've suffered horrific trauma need is to be able to sleep, Mm -hmm. which is why I did a long podcast on cannabis and uh, Christians. The bottom line is just why are we trying to heal the very thing that governs our soul and our spirit, that's our mind and our brain Mm -hmm. without healing those? It's obvious we have a lot of traumatized people living. Just go on social media for an hour. You'll see. Yeah. It's not your imagination that they all sound like a bunch of bratty teenagers. Wow. It's because you've just lived through a horrific trauma and you got a lot of people walking around as their teenage self. Wow. Behaving like full grown 50 year olds with master's degrees acting like they're 10. Wow. Like sometimes I want to reply to people. Did you just pull my hair on the playground? Because that's what it felt like. Wow. Like you just reached through the screen and wanted to tell me you don't like me and you pulled my hair on the playground. Wow. Yeah. And it, you know, I have a, I imagine my book's going to be very thick. Much of it's going to be clinical. I've decided to write it. However, like more than 50% of it will be like I'm in a therapy session. Mm. And these are the questions someone's asking. And this is what I'm processing. And this is what came out. And what it's like to have even EMDR. Initially, that was like very, very different for me, but mm-hmm. I could feel my brain like defragging for like a week. I could feel it processing and healing. Mm-hmm. And I've had many people say to me, well, I've been doing EMDR for years and it hasn't done anything. That has a lot to do with whether or not there were parts work done, who the therapist is you're with, and whether or not you actually went in with the belief that you're going to heal. Yep. Or whether or not yep. you're courageous enough to start confronting every belief. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you a question about that too. So I do think that it comes down to the courage to even start at the end of the day, the courage to believe that there that there's something worth hoping for. And I was just thinking about this because um, I have a few people that I know that I see that are just so bound by, I love how you said putting things in boxes, you know, the legalism, the black and the white, I don't actually want to process it. So I just want to like put it somewhere so I don't have to deal with it. And I see how it's hurting them. So I do think that with courage to, there's a humility that comes with it that has to happen of this come to Jesus where it's like, I'm sick and tired of being tired. But I guess what's what I know is is hard sometimes is to watch someone that is not living at the level that even apostolically or prophetically we can see for them, but they don't yet want that change for themselves. So if they're a person that we care about in our lives that we love, how can we encourage someone to start that conversation? Is it impossible? Like what, what's your perspective on that? My perspective is the greatest gift God ever gave us is a free will. It's not salvation because you won't understand the power of him offering salvation if you don't understand a free will. Mm. And to any of my Calvinist friends listening, I'm not trying to start a fight, (laughs) but you can't understand how glorious the fact that the creator of the universe would extend you an invitation Mm. unless you have free will. So it is my firm conviction that to encourage someone is one thing, but to try to change someone's will is witchcraft. Mm. And it leads to manipulation and codependence. And it possibly, quite possibly, could that be why we're in the mess we're in? Mm. Because when someone doesn't want to be healed, when someone is not 
ready. When someone doesn't want Jesus, and we think it is our ministry to continue pushing, are we really walking in ministry or are we doing witchcraft? And the fruit of witchcraft is what we see in a lot of places. Hmm. Now, I know this can be very devastating. I don't have all your answers. It's not black and white. Yeah. It's not black and white and it's not idealistic. But I think we have to encourage people and we have to understand healthy boundaries, loving someone, letting God be God and doing the work he does and staying a good example. I'm strongly against the dismissiveness. And, and again, I've had to re repent for dismissiveness and dismissing people and writing people off because I didn't know what to do. Mm. The thing is, is that, you know, a lot of times it's almost, um, I'm going to extend my hand to you as a Christian, but like now you need to repent. Mm. Now you need to get right. And if you don't, bye-bye. Yep. And in some capacities, we do need to wipe our feet. In some capacities, we need, I've got people in my life that the door's open. They've not been blocked on my phone. They don't want to talk to me and they don't want Christ and they don't want healing. But I'm still, they still got my phone number. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people who their idea of talking about it is castrating me. Their idea of talking about it is trying to practice witchcraft on me against trying to get me to change my will. Yeah. Yep. So like yep. if you're trying to have peace in a relationship with me, but you're violating boundaries and abusive and whatever, I will block you. I'll still pray for you. Wow. But I will stop that for my own health, for my own mental health. And wow. that's not a black and white situation. And I don't have everybody's answer. And I'm sorry that that's something we have to really fast and pray about. But I think the, dis the initial dismissiveness and the, you know, you are not lining up to my three-step process of leading you to Christ and getting you baptized in the spirit. So like, I think I'm just gonna have to move along my way. Mm. You know, you, this is not lining up to like, you like, okay, like, like we've got to hurry up and heal this. Cause like, you know, we've got children's church at six o'clock. Yep. And again, I don't yep. mean to be mocking. Sometimes I say things sarcastically so that we can kind of shake ourselves out of the way that we're doing things. Yep. But it's messy. It is. If messy. we were to really start helping people or really recognizing trauma or whatever, it's a mess. It's yeah. going to be a mess. It's going to up. It's going to, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to mess up all our systems. Yep. Yep. One of the greatest things, but one what of my capacity friends are we willing to go, you know? I mean, yep. One of the greatest things one of my friends said who um, has a really amazing journey, I'll tell you offline, <laughs> um, came to me and he was struggling with um, a church that he was at. And he, I had been texting and calling and leaving the door open, like you said, and just was missing him and just would let him know that we love him and invite him to game nights, things like that. And he was just kind of AWOL for a while. He came back when we were at like a birthday party and we had seen him. And it was so cool because you know how it says that his kindness leads us to repentance. The fact that we had just left the door open, and this is not to toot my own horn. This is just who my friends are and who we try to be. He came in and he, he goes, Megan, I just want to let you know that 
I have felt so convicted lately seeing you because you left the door open and I was battling my own stuff. And so I, you know, his own trauma, his own things. And so I locked myself in my room for six months because I was processing something that had happened in the church. And what it was, was the church was trying to grow so quickly, exactly to your point, they didn't have time to slow down and walk beside him. Well, and sometimes it's, we don't have time and came up to us. Sometimes it's, we don't have time. Sometimes it's, we're Mm ill-equipped. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we don't have somebody on staff who can handle it to some churches. Talking to a therapist is like anathema. You know what I mean? Um, Mm. I think we need to be careful with that. You know, not all Christian therapists are Christian therapists. My gosh, some of the counseling I've gotten from Christian therapists is like from hell. Yeah. And some of the, you know, Dr. Michaela is a believer and yet she's not religious. You know what I mean? I also believe that, you know, sometimes God will use people you didn't expect him to use Yeah, because of where you're at. Just watch the shack. That might give you a little bit of a different perspective. God is really good at meeting us where we're at. Yeah. The church is really good at telling us what we need to do so they can meet us where we're at. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. You know, and again, we're not Jesus, but um, I think leaving that door open is super important. I remember people, I would just be like, would you stop loving me? Just stop. Go away. Mm. And Shalene is one of those ones that I got to go back to and said to her, thank you so much for never shutting the door on me. Yeah. She didn't know I was abused. She knew something was off. There were times when she was just like, okay, I'm, I'm afraid of you, <laughs> you know, not because of like violence or anything, but like my ability to, um, get, take something to the 10th degree that didn't need to be taken to, again, that's that, that black and white thinking, that extremism yeah. that tries to make you feel safe. And it's not like she called me all the time or reached out to me or whatever. She just never had the door shut. And she was always a bright light and, and willing. And like, she's gone through her own healing and and different things. And you know, it's amazing. If we can just give some people grace, you know, that might even be the doorstep to our own healing. Yeah. You know, like you just never know what people have gone through. And again, you know, I've, I've employed people, I've had employees and that, and like people want me to be their therapist and they want, you know, I just need to move next to you and my whole life would change. No, no. You just need to do some of the stuff I've done yeah. that might help you. You don't need me. Yeah. And I think a lot of times because we want so much to be uh, Jesus with skin on to the world, we need to understand we don't have to be every answer. If that's not your gifting, just because you're a pastor, like people put so much pressure on pastors, just because somebody's anointed in pastoring doesn't mean they're an apostle. Just because somebody's anointed as a pastor does not mean they're an accountant or a therapist or any of that. And that creates personas in our pastors because as a way to survive all of that expectation, they tend to respond by trying to be everything to everybody as much as they can. And it gets, I know pastors have suffered horrific trauma just by the expectations of their congregation, it was ridiculous and mm. irrational. Mm. And so again, you know, we, we have to many times, um, we need a wider lens. So like, if I'm looking at something like this, 
I'm going to see it at this level. It's interesting. If I'm looking at that thing from here, I'm starting to see a little different. If my lens is able to pull out here, I'm, I'm seeing a whole lot different more. The more I pull out, I'm seeing a different perspective. Isn't it something the psalmist said, God puts me in a wide place mm. so that I might see things his way. Wow. I think the church needs to change its perspective and get a wider lens. Wow. Amen. Like we all do, you know? Yeah, we all do. Well, for the sake of time, I want to with I want to keep my word. Um, I would just love if there's anything else that you feel led to share. And then if you want to just send like a, a blessing and a prayer over anybody just as you're led by the spirit, because I believe people can get healed right here, right now, or at least yeah, start yeah. that journey, um, yeah. start that journey um, with grace and just the love of God. So I'd love for you to just kind of send everybody off. Well, you know, some radical changes have happened to me in my business career in my life in the last couple of years. For many years, I was building companies, 18, and direct response marketer and featured in all kinds of magazines like Forbes and Inca and all that kind of stuff. And my own healing and an awareness of where God was directing me led me to retire from all of that. And I still have two masterminds that I run. We have several thousand people, my business mastermind that has over 800 hours of training on all that I've learned in business and God is a part of all of it. And we're dealing a lot with mindset and beliefs and different things like that in the business thing. That will be a tool that will be very helpful to people. And you can find it on my website at a real change.com as well. Um, you know, for the longest time, I thought I wasn't smart enough to do stocks or trading or anything. That was one of my own beliefs. Mind you, I'd built multi-million dollar companies, but I'm not smart enough to do stocks. And I took my trends and patterns mine and, you know, running millions of dollars in campaigns and ads and watching human behavior for over 28 years, um, into stocks and was pleasantly surprised that I actually, uh, was really good at it and very close to building a, a seven figure portfolio and started mentoring people as well on how to trade stocks and crypto in another mastermind that we now have several thousand people in that you can find at a real change.com. And that, you know, we talk a lot about money, but you know, one of the things about the stock market and when you start dealing with money is if you really want to know yourself and your own beliefs, <laughs> start trying to make more money because <laughs> yeah. it'll come right here, you know? But um, all of that to say, I believe that we are in fertile ground right now of God doing some shifts and moves and um, calling us up to a higher place. Yep. And sometimes we have to say no to certain things so that we can say yes to the thing that God is bringing in front of us right now. Mm. And I just want to speak life and grace over people that if you feel the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart, that it's time to start your own business. I really do want to learn how to trade stocks and that. I would love to help you. I'd love to be there, you know, in our community and, and help you do that. In my stocks community, I have a coach as well, John, who got out of a job in the tech world and built a multiple six-figure portfolio and walks with God and is really fun. Our dynamic, our personality is polar opposites in a lot of ways. And so it makes it so cool. The, the, the entire group is like half men and half women. And it's a, a wonderful dynamic. But the one thing I want to say to you is that that yearning in your heart and thinking that you, there is more and that I don't have to live with this forever is true. Mm. And this desire that you have in you to really know who you are and what you were created for is real. And I want to encourage you to answer it. And I want to 
encourage you and remind you that you were not created to struggle, although struggle can be a part of our human experience. You know, the psalmist said, it is good that I have suffered that I might understand thy way. What the enemy tried to do to take me out, kill me, silence me and shut me up and immobilize me and even cripple me physically, mm-hmm. God used for good. So I'm going to pray that right now in the name of Jesus, that you will use everything that is said against any voice listening to me, God, for your good. I pray that people would have childlike faith to press past the noise, press past the intoxicating chaos of the world we're in right now, press past mandates and vaccines and mass and all of that, and just breathe for a moment and say, God, I want to know you. I want to be healed. Show me the way. Show me the way, God. Show me the way. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that right now through these media uh, transmissions, whether it's video or audio or whatever, you would make your presence known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that you would be real to those who want to know you. And I just speak life and healing from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. I believe that every promise in your life ends with yes and amen. And I believe today is the day for you to get courageous. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Sandy. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will see you guys next week. Hey guys, Coach Megan here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Powerhouse Podcast. We're so honored to have you wherever you are, near or far away from the great metropolis of Omaha, Nebraska, where we are from. We are so proud to be your virtual coaches. If you could just share this with a friend that you feel like needs to hear this today, give us a five-star review if you haven't already, and click that link below in our show notes. We promise we are the nicest people. We are the nicest people, we promise, and we'd love to meet you, and we'd love to figure out if you're a good fit for our programs or make a suggestion for a different coach, different consultant, different person that's a professional in their field that can help you. The reason why we do it this way, actually, because a lot of people ask is because we want to help you practice the elements of being a great title holder from the very beginning. And one of those things is vulnerability. One of those things is being a self-starter. One of those things is being able to reach out and cold email, cold call, cold DM somebody that you don't know because of the potential opportunity on the other side of things. When I was Miss Nebraska and Miss Nebraska USA, just letting y'all know that's how you get media. That's how you get appearances. That's how you get sponsors is being willing to put yourself out there. And so we want to help you practice that from the very beginning, learn more about you and discover um, if we can help you and we'll point you in the right direction for one of our services programs and the right coach for you. Otherwise, we will absolutely make a best suggestion for you in a different direction. Because at the end of the day, we're not territorial about needing to coach every person in the world. We just want you to find your right fit so that you can make your dreams come true and unlock the winner within you. Anyways, just wanted to encourage you guys in that today. Again, leave us a review, DM us um, on Instagram at any of our handles. And with that, we'll see you guys next week.